0: Hello welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Sam McKnight. I'm And so the show, we're talking about how much money can you actually make out of property investment. And I tell you what, I was a bit nervous recording this episode. Why? Because there are so many things that could change depending on how you set up your particular deal. And some people lose money in property investment and some people make a lot of money. But I think that... So this this isn't the how much money you will make. This is how much money you you, might make. You could make. But then again, one of the things you always remind me of is, why do people get into property investment? Money. To make money. Because you want to improve your financial situation. You want to improve your financial future and your family's life. So it's important to get a sense of, well, how much can you actually make? And we're going to go through four main strategies that Kiwis use when they invest in property. Now, Andrew, let's start with a standard buy and hold strategy. What is that strategy and how much can I make from it? Okay, so
1: this is the really easy one. You buy a property, you rent it out, you use the rent to pay your mortgage and your costs, and you hold it over a period of time, probably 15, 20 years. So you it goes it, up in
0: value. Yeah, you buy it and you wait while it goes up in yeah, value.
1: It's the easiest way to make money in property, but it's also the, the less glamorous and probably the least exciting. It just works in the background. So how much might I make? So let's run a scenario of buying a property today worth 600000 and it going up on average by 5% a year. If it goes up by 5% this year, now it's worth $630,000, i have just made $30,000. Now just bear in mind, that's still on paper, I haven't sold the property and actually got the money in the bank account, but I have made $30,000 on paper. Now, one thing to remember is the capital growth rate and the price of the property does affect how much you'll make. But let's say that you look at a property with a higher value and a higher capital growth rate. So this could be typical of a property, say, in Christchurch. But let's look at an Auckland property, a million dollars, going up by 6% a year. Again, just one property, but now our increase, the money we've made on paper, is
0: double the amount with the same number of properties. Now, one of the things that's really important is, of course, Property values don't always go up by 5% or 6% a year. Over the last 18 months, we've seen property values fall by 22%. At the peak of the market, we saw property values in some parts of the country go up by about 30% in a single year. So this does vary. But Andrew, would 5% a year over the next year be somewhat reasonable? Well, Tony Alexander has said that
1: he thinks that probably we will see a 5% increase in certain areas over the next year. So somewhere between thirty dollars and $60,000 worth of increase in a property over the next 12 months is not out of this world thinking. It's and not unheard of. No. And the good news is, when you're looking at a strategy like this, is that increase is compounding. So it's like having money in the bank. You're getting interest on your interest.
0: And one other thing, though, that's important to realise is you've got to buy the right property for that t- strategy to work. So you can't go out and buy a yield-based apartment or a hotel room. That's not going to increase by 5 or 6% consistently over time. You've got to buy a growth property rather than a yield property. And the other thing you've got to realise as well is, of course, there are costs to owning that property. So while interest rates are high, the rent's not going to cover all of the costs. So you're going to have to top it up. There are costs with that as well. So it's just important to factor that in. That specific cost is going to depend on the property you buy. But this particular strategy is far lower risk than some of the other
1: strategies we're going to talk about because you just buy a property and you just use time to get that growth. Now, the bad news is the returns are in equity. So you only get to realise those when you sell the property and that might not be for 15, 20 years. So you can't go and use that money to buy a new car if you want to or go on holiday.
0: Okay, let's talk about the golden goose strategy. Now, this strategy is all about cash flow. That's when you buy a property with a low or no mortgage at all, and you just live off the cash flow. Now, for somebody doing this strategy, you might end up buying, say, a million dollar property all in cash. And we talk about this in our book, Wealth Plan, which is currently available in bookstores. On that, you might get a gross yield of, say, 6%, and you've got costs of owning that as well, which are things like your property management, your rates, your insurance, all of that good stuff. It might work out to, say, 2%. Now, the sort of property you're going to buy for this is going to be a yield property, so not the growth property that Andrew just talked about before. Now, your rent on that is going to be about $60,000 a year, so it might be $1,150 a week. You're going to have costs of about twenty grand a year, so your pre-tax cash flow, what you can actually live on is going to be about $40,000 a year. Now, there are some really good pros to the strategy. One is that the returns are in cash. So when Andrew was talking about the buy and hold strategy, properties going up in value, that's just an on-paper increase. Now, nobody's going to say that's a bad thing because, hey, it's an extra $30,000. Generally, it's tax-free because you're not going to sell that property for a while and you can't spend it, which is sometimes good for some of us who like to spend money. But the good news about the golden goose is you actually get that money coming into your bank account after, of course, you pay tax. Your mailbox money. Your mailbox money, because the money just turns up in the mailbox, even though we don't have checks in New Zealand anymore. The downside of this strategy, of course, is, well, you've got to have the equity. You've got to have a million dollars to go and spend on this property, or you've got to have the money. You know, Another way to achieve this would be to pay down a mortgage over a very long period of time, the downside to that, well, you've got to buy the property, then you've got to pay down the mortgage in order to get it. And of course, you've got some, some yields that you've got to target. But it wouldn't be unheard of to earn a pre-tax cash flow of $40,000 using this strategy. Now, one thing we've left out of this calculation is you're still getting growth on the actual property as well. Yeah, so it might be 3% increase in value on this as well. You might make an extra $30,000 in terms of the property increasing in value. So excellent strategy to use if you've got the equity to be able to do it. But one other strategy people often talk about and are interested in, Andrew, people always love this, is flipping. So how much money can I make if I use a flipping strategy? So this is a
1: very active strategy. This is when, you know, this becomes your job almost a lot of the time. So you're going to buy properties, you're going to renovate them, you're going to sell them, and you're going to take the profits. So let's say you buy a property worth $600,000 today and you put $50,000 into renovations. And then there's going to be some other costs that you need to remember. So, flipping. with a flipping model you've got a buying cost with your lawyer but then also when you sell the property you've got to use your lawyer again
0: so two sets of lawyers fees two sets of lawyers
1: fees you've got a real estate agent you've probably got home staging you've probably got a loan fee so normally people use non-bank lending for this because banks hate you to be taking out loans and then paying back them quickly so you might have an application fee
0: your yeah, interest rate's probably going to be 9 percent so that's going to be in those other costs. Correct.
1: And let's say at the end, the property is worth $750,000. So you've had an increase in value of one i have made 150000 Yeah, but remember you had all those other costs of 100000 being all your setup costs and your agent's fees and your lawyer's fees, and then the 50000 that went into renovations. You've actually made, before tax, $50,000. Now, one thing to remember when it comes to flipping is if you do a number of these a year, you can very quickly end up in that top tax bracket and pay 39 cents on the dollar. So your tax can be relatively high if you're using a flipping model.
0: Even if you're doing one or two flips a year and you also work an office job, you can really easily get into that. So, you know, you're not going to walk away with 50 grand, just like you would not in the golden goose strategy one thing that I just want to talk about in the flipping strategy, really good thing is you actually get that money in cash though. You buy the property, you renovate it, you sell it, you get that cash straight away. With the buy and hold strategy, that money is locked up into the property. And that can, again, for some people, that can be a really good thing. But for this, you can actually live on that money. And that's a real positive. The downside, of course, is that's a one-off hit of cash. So with something like a buy and hold or even a golden goose strategy, those returns increase over time because if you're doing the golden goose, you're renting out a property, you're getting that cash flow every year. With a buy and hold strategy, that property could potentially increase in value every year. It won't be every year, it'll go up and down. But over time, those increases start to compound. With flipping, it's a one-off hit. Now, that's great because you get the money, but the downside is that you're only getting paid if you do the work. So it's a very active strategy. Now, would about 50K be be about right for a flipping strategy? Oh, about 50 to 100 grand,
1: probably on the high side, depending on how good you are. But I think sometimes in a flipping deal, you might not make anywhere near as much money as as you expected, or you might break even, or even worse, lose money. So I think budgeting on $50,000 pre tax is probably a, a reasonable number. Depends
0: on the market you're in as Correct. well. I actually was just speaking to the Canterbury Property Investors Association not long ago, and I remember talking about the flipping strategy. There was one guy flipping in the audience, and he was a, he's a bit of an older gentleman. He's probably been doing this for, really? a, for a long time. I think he'd be in his, his mid-60s. And I said, great, what's the most you've ever made from a flip? And it was a couple of hundred grand. It was a lot of money it's like, yeah, that was in the really good times. So I said, what about your most recent flip? Are you flipping now? He says, no, I'm not flipping in this market because prices are going down. what do you make on the last flip you did? Zero dollars. Yeah. Made nothing off it. Yeah. Because it is a much higher risk strategy. You can make a lot of money. You can get that short-term cash flow, but you can also not make a lot of money or potentially lose money. But some people love flipping. And for them, that's the strategy that they want to go for. It is often really good for people who want property investment to be their full-time job. So you'll see property flippers or property traders actually out there doing this full-time. Now, Andrew, if somebody was doing this on the side from their job, how many flips a year could you do? Because people will be looking at this saying, okay, I can make maybe 50 grand a flip. You know, how many could I do to supplement my income? Well, I
1: kind of think it's realistic to maybe think you could do one every few months. But I met a really interesting guy um, who I knew about, but had a had a drink with him a couple of weeks ago, Thomas Singh, who we've spoken about on the show before. Now, I didn't realise he's got a full-time job. Oh, okay. And I can't remember the exact number, but it was like 30 deals he's done in the last 12 months.
0: That's outrageous. Yeah, 30 deals. That's a lot.
1: Yeah, it might have even been more than that. What would the average person do? Oh, like seriously, you might do a couple a year to... For a year at most. That's most people that I've met that are doing
0: flipping as well as a job, but he's just been hustling. Yeah, good on him. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, that again shows you how much variation there can be. Some people can do a lot. Most people say, do max two if you're doing this You know, on the side of your job, though of course some people will do more. One other strategy that people often ask us about, Andrew, is the development strategy. We always get lots of downloads when talking about developments. Do so we get quite a lot? Yeah, so how much could somebody make if they are undertaking a development strategy? Okay, so I'm going to use some
1: really high-level numbers, but I've actually just finished two developments, or about to finish the the second one, which were for sale for people to buy. So what we might do is actually do a whole episode on those two and the learnings, and I'll, I'm more than happy to share the numbers because one of them was good, one of them was absolutely atrocious, or I believe it's going to be atrocious by the time it's settled. But let's say your land cost is half a million dollars at the moment, Your cost to build might be 1.5. There's all sorts of other costs. That's one of the things that really gets you. So you've got a lot of consultants that you use, architects, council contributions, all those kind of things. Let's say you sell four units at 600,000, so your total sales are 2.4. Well, your pre-tax profit, and there's GST considerations in here as well, might be close to $200,000. But again, you've got to take off GST and income tax here. So that might be more like 100000 So again, remember, your tax can get quite chunky depending on what strategy you're using. And I think kind of fifty grand a unit is probably not a bad target at the moment. You know, some developers probably need to make more than that. But this is, if you don't own a building company and you're having to pay retail for someone to come and build those units for you, I think that $50,000 is pretty realistic. So um, wait a second, because
0: we've rattled through those numbers real quick. So we're talking about, you're about, 2.2 million deep by the time you pay for the land, pay for a, another building company to build a property, and then you've got some other costs in there. And then if you you build four units in total, sell them for 600K each, you make 2.4 million in revenue. And so 2.2 of cost, 2.4 in rev, you made a pre-tax profit of 200K.
1: Yeah, yeah. But again, there's a lot of moving parts in here. One of the things that I knew, and then it affected me, is that time is a killer when it comes to development. So if you have a project that's delayed for any reason, the builder can't get materials, the council doesn't sign something off, your interest costs and your holding costs of owning those properties absolutely cripples you. Remember also you've got sales costs in here as well, which you probably want to take out. But again, we'll work on a net sale of 600000 So net profit of 200000 of which you're going to be donating half of that to the IRD.
0: So just to be really clear, about 50K per unit might be a reasonable target for somebody doing this, you know, just starting out in development. So not Mike Greer or Williams Corp, their profits might be a bit higher because they have their own builders.
1: Correct. But it's really interesting because there was a project that I uh, looked at for an investor the other day that just wanted my opinion on something and they looked at very high level numbers like this. I punched it into my spreadsheet that I use where it adds in all the extra things like demolition of the house at the moment, your architecture designs, holding costs, your interest, all the rest of it. Worked out to be for a project of six units, $100,000 profit if everything went smoothly. And it won't. It never does. If everything went smoothly, they would make $100,000. So those margins are being squeezed at the moment.
0: Well, maybe next time we do a podcast where we're recording it for YouTube like this, we'll actually pull up that spreadsheet. We'll do do it it. on developments because I know a lot of people are very interested in it. Maybe not just because they want to go and do it themselves or just want to see what the numbers are like. Now, one thing that's really important just to recognise about the development strategy is you can make a lot of money, but it's also very easy to lose your shirt as well and go broke especially if you're an inexperienced developer or somebody who is doing this for the first time. If it's your first rodeo and don't know what can go wrong, but we'll do another episode about that so you can start to see some of the mistakes that people actually make. Now you might say, well, what is the the right strategy for me? And the answer is that it's really different for everyone. One of the things that's important to recognize is that the more money-making strategy, so you can make more money through a flip or a development strategy compared to a buy and hold strategy. Absolutely. Sometimes even the golden goose strategy, depending on how much money you've got. But if you're going to go for one of those strategies, it takes more time, there is more risk, it's going to take more involvement from you as an investor, so you're going to have more skills. And it also takes a lot more money to get started. And so... Just because the development strategy, you can make the most money, that doesn't mean that's the right strategy for everybody. For a lot of people, especially if you're if you're a doctor, for instance, you don't have any time for anything else, barely your own family. So probably the (laughs) buy and hold strategy. Sorry for all the doctors out (laughs) there, who don't see their kids, don't (laughs) love their family. Oh, well, have you seen the state of the medical system, Andrew? (laughs) Have you seen the waiting lines at the hospitals? seen (laughs) your complaints directly to Ed. and, uh, you know, those sorts of people are otherwise where a buy and hold strategy is actually the right fit. Absolutely. You know, if you're working part-time and you've already got a little bit of money and you're already semi-retired, but I know some of your friends, Andrew, who basically I would consider be retired. I they know you talking about. They just do property all day because I've yeah. got the time, they've got the money, they've got the experience. And so the right strategy really depends on, well, what are your personal circumstances? How much time, how much expertise, how much risk are you willing to take in order to be able to go for it? I think that's just one thing that we've always got to remember.
1: Yeah. And it, like you said before, it does come down to how much money you've got. Like if you're going to do a development and you've got, you know, two million bucks cash, then you don't need to worry about a blowout over the time frame because if it takes longer, well, you pay cash for the project anyway. So it's okay. If you're borrowing, like most people are, the bulk of that money You know, a three-month
0: delay can cripple you and erode your profits to nothing pretty quickly. Well, the other thing is you can't just rock up to the bank and say, hey, can I please get a loan at, you know, the 7% one-year fixed (laughs) interest rate to do my development, (laughs) please? can you please lend me $2 million for this? No, it's more like a
1: 1.5% application fee and then, you know, 11% interest rate.
0: <laughs> right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to see this on YouTube and you're listening to the podcast, just Google Opus Partners YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. It really does help us grow the channel. For listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host Tim Knight. And I'm Andrew Nickel. We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the property investment. Market.